Well, if you would, turn with me in your Bible to Galatians chapter 6. We have completed our summer in the Psalms, and we're going to be starting the book of Genesis in October, but we wanted to just take a couple of weeks to fill in with other places here, and for our birthday, um, I felt like this this passage was on my heart to preach for us this morning on our 11th birthday. So, as you're turning to chapter 6, we'll be in verses 7 to 10, it's in your bulletin, it'll be on the screen, but be good to have Galatians open. I'll be referring to a couple of other places. But as we, as we begin, I, I want to ask, have you noticed that the more you love someone, the more they can break your heart? C.S. Lewis famously said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. I think most of us in here understand what that means. Well, Paul wrote this letter to the Galatian churches from a wrung-out, broken heart. This was probably the most emotionally intense letter Paul ever penned to any of the churches he planted. Paul loved the church in Galatia dearly. And his heart was broken over how quickly these young churches got away from the gospel, how easily they gave in to peer pressure, how soon they gave up on trusting Jesus alone, and how foolishly they had gone back to relying on themselves instead of the spirit of Jesus. So the verses we're going to read come at the end of a letter that's written by a man who had a deep desire for these churches to grow to be all that Jesus died and rose again for them to be. He loved these people. And so what would Paul have to say to these young churches? And what would Jesus want to say to our young church this morning? Well, let's find out as we stand together and hear the word of the God who loves us. In Galatians chapter 6, Verses 7 to 10, hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever he sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, this is your word. Uh, You wrote it and gave it to us because you love us. You want us to know you, you want us to love you, you want us to trust you, you want us to know your heart, so would you help us this morning to get a glimpse of your heart for us in these words from your Apostle Paul. Help us to see and to trust Jesus, 
For it's in his name we pray. Amen. I talk with and listen to about two dozen other pastors every month. And I talk with dozens of Christians like you every month, including you. And I also know my own heart. And here's what my pastor friends are observing, and I am observing. There are a great many Christians and churches who are weary right now. Many are pressing on, and yet they're weary. But some have given up, and some others want to. Now, weary is not the same as tired. Weary is the kind of tired that's lost heart. Weary is the kind of tired that leans toward giving up. The weary Christian's heart feels helpless and says, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Following Jesus is too hard. The weary Christian's heart feels hopeless and says, what's the use anyway? What does it matter if I keep living for Jesus? Now, wait a second. What? I said weary Christians. Christians and churches get weary. Yeah, Paul said so. That's, that's what this passage is about. It's written to people that he knows are weary. And he, he indicates here that he can understand, and so he pleads with them, and he includes himself in the plea. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So I'm wondering, wondering this morning, Mountain Fellowship, if you're weary today. I wonder if you're weary of living with and for Jesus in your marriage. Weary in your family. Weary at work, at school. I wonder if you're weary of living with and for Jesus in your friendships. How close are you to losing heart? And I I wonder... If we are weary, Mountain Fellowship, after 11 years of ups and downs, starts, stalls, restarts, are we weary? How close are you to giving up on church? Well, if you're weary, Jesus has a word of encouragement for you this morning. He has this word of encouragement for us as a church, too. He says, don't grow weary of doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. You will reap, he says. Well, we, we, all, we, all, we all want to reap, right? We all want fruitfulness, right? Remember when you were a kid and, uh, yes, love it. I remember when I was a kid, and it was a lot longer ago. Remember, uh, remember, and I don't know which grade it was, where you, you planted the lima beans in the little styrofoam cup full of soil. Remember doing that? And uh, you, you put them, everybody put them on the windowsill of the classroom, 
And uh, every day you'd come in and look and see if that sprout had broken through the soil into the, the light and the air. And on the day that it finally did break through, man, you're like, that's awesome. Look at that. Everybody was excited. Well, don't we all at times look into our relationships, our marriages, our work, our church, and and simply long for something good to sprout? Don't your hearts leap for joy when you see good fruit popping up in those places and in your relationships, when you hear the good fruit that Tim talked about this morning in his life? Everyone who belongs to Jesus longs to bear the fruit of Jesus. And he promises you will reap. We, we all have in us the desire to reap the fruit of his spirit in the places he's put us. And Jesus says you will reap in due season. In due season. Now that's where the weariness comes from. <laughs> Waiting for the reaping. See, we're, we're that little kid in school again. and Nobody ever told me it takes eight to ten days for a bean to sprout. And after a week of looking at the same cup of dirt, we start to get impatient. And maybe we say to the teacher, if we're bold, I thought you said that if I planted this bean, it would grow. I'm beginning to lose faith in you, ma'am. She smiles. Pats me on the head and says, all in due time, my dear, all in due time. Keep watching. Keep waiting. You know you're weary when you start to lose faith in the one who told you to plant the seed in the first place. You know you're getting weary when you start to lose faith in the one who told you to plant the church in the first place. And what about this doing good? What is that, Paul? Well, it's doing the good that God has created and redeemed us to do. Remember how he said it in Ephesians 2. Uh, Paul said that God made us alive with Jesus, not by our good works, but for good works. Jesus did the work in us so that now we can do the good works that we were created to do in Christ Jesus, Paul said in Ephesians. That's what Paul is talking about here. Don't grow weary of living life as the new creation that God has made you in Christ to be. Don't grow weary of denying yourself, taking up your cross daily, following Jesus. Don't grow weary of loving God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. Don't grow weary of loving one another as Christ has loved you. Don't grow weary of devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship that we have with one another in Christ. Mountain Fellowship, let's not grow weary of gathering to worship and scattering to serve. Don't grow weary of walking with Jesus. Don't give up on living the new life you have in Christ. That's what Paul is saying. Okay, Paul, so so when and where am I supposed to do all this good? Well, the next verse, verse 10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So he says, Don't grow weary doing good 
whenever you have the opportunity to do it, wherever God has put you, with the people he's given you. Especially with the people in your church because they're your family. And you might say at this point, but this is so much. This is too much. Thanks, Jimmy. Now I feel even more weary. Paul recognizes that that they're weary, so why doesn't he just let them off the hook? Why doesn't he just say, hey, I know you're weary, so don't worry right now about doing all the good that God has called you to do. Just take a break from all that. It's not what he says. It's not what he says because he can't say that. He can't tell them to stop being who they are in Christ, even though they're weary in it. He can't tell them to quit because that's what they were already in danger of doing. And that's why he wrote this letter. Some of his first words to them in this letter were, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel as if there is one. The point of this whole letter is to say to them, and maybe this is for some of us, I know you are weary in your walk with Jesus, but don't become weary of Jesus. Don't walk away from him. Don't desert him. Don't give up. Keep going with him. Now, hang on a minute, preacher. You you said that you were going to encourage us. You said this was going to be encouraging. It sounds like you're saying that Paul is saying this. I'm concerned that you're weary of doing the good that God has called you to do. So let me encourage you. Don't be weary. There. Hope that helps you, your pal Paul. I don't find that particularly encouraging, but that's okay because that's not what he's saying. There's more to what Paul is saying. here. Paul is not one of those preachers like I confess that I have been too many times who tells his people what to do, but doesn't tell them where to get the power to do it. That's not, that's not Paul. He's not saying, hey, you weary people, stop being weary. There's some verses we haven't explored yet, so let, let's look at the whole passage again. In verses 9 and 10, that's what we just looked at, he tells them, don't grow weary, don't give up, keep going. But notice that's after he's told them in verses 7 and 8, how they will find the power to keep going. Here's verses 7 and 8. Look at it with me. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Listen, here's the bottom line. You and I will not grow weary and not give up doing the good God has given us to do if we will trust Jesus alone and not ourselves. What? Is that it? I've heard that my whole life. Trust Jesus alone and not yourself. Tell me something I don't know, preacher. Well, 
I'm not telling you something I don't know. My problem is not that I don't know it, it's that I don't do it. Trust Jesus alone and not myself. That's it. But this is why Paul wrote this whole letter. Because these folks, this young church, these young Christians, were, in fact, not trusting Jesus alone, but trusting themselves. They're being pulled away from trusting Jesus alone, and they're being pulled toward trusting themselves. And they're getting weary in the tug of war. So in verses 7 and 8, Paul gives them a picture of what it looks like to trust Jesus alone and not themselves. And then he gives them a promise of what will happen if they do it. All right? So this is all stuff you know, but we're going to look at it again. What's the picture? What, What does it look like to trust Jesus alone and not yourself? Well, Paul says it looks like sowing seed. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. That's trusting yourself. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. That's trusting Jesus alone. So let's let's look at those two. First, trusting yourself looks like sowing to your own flesh. Now, this is is strange language, flesh. Does that mean this stuff that's on me? No. What Paul means by flesh here is the old you before, you before Jesus made you alive in him. The flesh, uh, some call it the sin nature. Uh, I call it the me first heart. It's, it's self-dependence. It says, I can rescue myself, recreate myself, rule myself. That's the flesh. That's, that's what the flesh looks like. Tim Keller calls calls it the flesh operating system. (laughs) It's the tendency, he says, to run every app of your life on the basis of trying to prove yourself through your performance, to earn your salvation, to build a self-esteem and a meaning in life, not on what God has done for you, but on what you have accomplished, what you have, and what you do. It's totally self-absorbed. That's the flesh. And so... This is what Paul means by sowing to the flesh, is to trust yourself. And what does Paul say you will reap if you plant your life in yourself? What will you grow if you root yourself in you? Paul said you will reap corruption, which is a word that means a rotting corpse. Well, that's what every gardener wants to grow, isn't it? Corruption. Paul says, sowing to the flesh reaps ruin in your life, in your relationships, your family, your school, your work, your church. If you live trusting only in yourself, you will reap ruin in every one of those relationships, in every one of those places. And it will start with you and me. Paul described the rottenness of the fruit of the flesh just One page back in this letter in chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, and I'll read it for you, but as I read it, here's how we can know that we've been sowing to the flesh. 
and trusting ourselves. This is the fruit of corruption that trusting in ourselves grows. Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, that's this hatred between people, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, he says. This is an incomplete list of the fruit of the flesh. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So as you, as you hear that, that list of the fruit of the flesh, have you noticed any of that rotten fruit popping up in your heart or in your relationships, in our church? In the heart of all these things, there's, there's the, there's the uh, usual suspects of uh, broken sexuality and, and substance abuse, but right in the heart, and probably the words, uh, the, the, the most words are used to describe broken relationships, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy. Any of that going on in your relationships? Any of that going on among us? See, sowing to the flesh is a picture of what it looks like to trust yourself. And that's the ruin that it produces. Now, what does it look like to trust and depend, and depend on Jesus alone instead of ourselves? Well, Paul calls that sowing to the Spirit. And sowing to the Spirit means that you trust Jesus so much that you will sow seeds of dependence on him instead of yourself. It means that you will plant every moment and, ta and task in Jesus. You will root every relationship in Jesus. See, every believer in Jesus uh, now has a Jesus operating system. And Paul describes how this Jesus operating system works in chapter 3 of his letter. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. In other words, when I preached about Jesus to you, it's as if you saw him with your eyes of faith crucified for you on the cross. And then he says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? In other words, does the Spirit come into your life because you just buckle down and obey the law of God? Or does the Spirit come into your life because you trusted Jesus? You said, I see him. I see that he was crucified for me. I want him. I need him. See, that's when the Spirit flows into the life of a person. 
And he said, so that's how you started. And he goes on, he says, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, having begun by trusting in Jesus alone and his Spirit coming into your life and transforming you into a new creation, are you now going to finish out your life with Jesus by trusting yourself again? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? In other words, do you receive the Spirit and the amazing things that he works in your life just because you buckle down real hard and do what God says? Or because you hear what Jesus has done for you and you embrace him by faith? This is the Jesus operating system. This is how it works. You see Jesus as he's preached and proclaimed in the good news of the gospel. You depend on all that he is and has done for you. You embrace him by faith. You receive the Spirit, and then the Spirit keeps you going in the way that you began. You keep doing that. You keep looking at Jesus and embracing Jesus and receiving the Spirit. And then the fruit of the Spirit starts to flow in your life. That's how the Jesus operating system works. Here, here are a couple of the ways that Paul described this sowing to the Spirit, what it looks like in his life in Galatians. In chapter 2, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now the life I live in the flesh, in this body, this is flesh body this time, I live this life by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what it looks like to sow to the Spirit, to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the old way of proving myself through my performance, trying to earn my salvation, building my self-esteem and meaning in and meaning in life on what I have accomplished, what I own, what I do. All of that is nailed to the cross of Jesus with him. Now I live dependent only on the love that God has for me in Jesus. So sowing to the Spirit is depending on the love of Jesus in order to do the good he's given me to do in every relationship, role, and responsibility he's given me. Sowing to the Spirit is depending on Jesus. And Paul also says in chapter 5, here's another description of sowing to the Spirit. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. There's a war going on between your flesh and the Holy Spirit to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And the things you want to do are the, the good things that the Spirit has planted in you that are bearing fruit. So sowing to the Spirit means walking in Him, walking in dependence on Him and not on yourself. And Paul said that you will... Reap eternal life if you sow to the Spirit. And this is not earning eternal length of life with God one day. It's not that. 
but it's enjoying an internal kind of life with God right now. Jesus said, this is eternal life, Father, that they know you and the one whom you have sent. And so while sowing to the flesh reaps ruin, sowing to the spirit reaps renewal in your life, renewal in your relationships, in your family, your school, your work, your church. And Paul described this refreshing fruit of renewal of the, he called the fruit of the spirit of Jesus in chapter five. And here's how we can know that we've been sowing to the spirit, that we've been trusting Jesus alone. See if these pop up in your life and relationships. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what will pop out of your life when you sow to the Spirit, when you are depending on Jesus alone and His Spirit flows in you. Someone told me just this week about an opportunity they had to serve someone that they may have probably thought might be a difficult person in their life to serve. And this is what they said to me about that. They said, I'm just trying to make this person feel welcome and included. I'm not, not sure how that will all work out, but all I can do is pray a lot. Did you hear it? Not giving up on doing good, but doing good while praying and depending on the Spirit of Jesus to help. This person was loving that person, as Jesus had loved her, and out of the power and promise of his love, she loved. That's sowing to the Spirit. And so when she said that to me, I said, thank you for sowing to the Spirit in, in that person's life. You're already applying Sunday sermon. That doesn't mean she wasn't allowed, didn't need to come. <laughs> but that's what, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to sow to the Spirit in your relationships, to move toward people who may be difficult to love because Jesus has loved you first and you want to love them in his name and for his sake, for their good. And you're all the while depending on him, Jesus, I can't do this. I struggle with this person. I need your help. I don't know if this is going to do anything. Here's a little seed. Here's a little seed. I'm sowing it. Would you grow some fruit? And so I ask all of us, have we noticed the heart of Jesus popping up in our hearts and in our relationships? Have we noticed the heart of Jesus popping up in our church? I think we have, but we want more. And if we have, it's because we've been sowing to the Spirit. Well, I said that that was the picture of what it looked like to not depend on yourself, but to trust Jesus alone. But I said there was also a promise, and quickly, here's the promise. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. In other words, that, that means God, you can't uh, snort your nose at God about this. 
He will do this. This is what God will do. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And again in verse 8, the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. So friends, here's the promise. If you sow to the Spirit of Jesus, you will reap the life and fruit of the Spirit of Jesus in your life. It will happen. This is guaranteed church growth. If we sow to the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus will produce His life and His love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control in us. And you can trust this promise, friends, because Jesus is the seed that was planted so that he would bear the fruit of of eternal life in you. Listen to what Jesus said. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Friends, when Jesus was crucified on the cross in your place when he was buried in the tomb, when that grain of wheat was buried for you and me, and when he rose on the third day, he rose to bear much fruit. And here's a room full of it. There's a world full of it. There's a heaven full of it right now. This is good news that will keep you from growing weary and giving up. On the cross, Jesus bore your thorns so that you would bear his fruit. Thanks be to God for that good news. Well, I've been watching my neighbor's yard for the last four years. And it hasn't made me a happy person. Her yard is gorgeous. The grass is green and lush and thick and beautiful. But I've also been watching and trying to figure out how, because she, she's not out there doing it, so how is she getting this beautiful, luscious green grass? Ah, I started to know a, uh, notice a pattern. There's a fellow named Jim that she hired who comes regularly to weed and seed and feed her yard. You see, uh, the grass is always greener where you weed it and seed it and feed it, right? (laughs) The grass is not greener away from Jesus, friends. You won't reap a renewed life apart from him. This church will not reap renewal unless we are absolutely dependent on Jesus and not ourselves. God guarantees that you will grow to be more like Jesus when you weed out your dependence on you and when you seed and feed your heart with dependence on Jesus who loves you and gave himself for you. So let's not grow weary in doing good, Mountain Fellowship. As we move into our 12th year as a family together, let's be a church that weeds out dependence on ourselves but instead seeds and feeds our life together with dependence on the Spirit of Jesus as we continue to do the good he's called us to do on this mountain. Friends, that's how. Jesus is how. We will not grow weary and give up.
Father, would you help us? Would you help us, even now as we come to the table, uh, to turn away from all those ways that we've been sowing to the flesh, to turn away from all those ways that we depend on ourselves, uh, that we try to make life work and try to make life satisfying apart from Jesus. Show it to us, Father. Show us how we've been doing that. And then as we come to this table, Father, would you help us to trust in Jesus alone for life? This moment right now to come to this table together as your people is sowing to the Spirit. And so would you, would you be pleased to bear much fruit from this moment right now, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.